Are you ready? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Around the CFL podcast. Anthony here with you once again. And we've got a busy week 18 to look back on. But also part 2 of our series today as wide receiver Jalen Philpott will be joining us. But first, let's check in with some news. After this past week, the CFL playoff scenarios are starting to look a little bit tighter. Right now, with an Alouettes win over the Edmonton Elks or a Hamilton Tiger Cats loss to the BC Lions, Montreal will host the Eastern semifinal on November 4th. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders can secure third place in the West Division with a win over the Stampeders. Additionally, right now, if the Lions lose, Winnipeg will claim the top of the West and host the Western Final on November 11th. That would mean the Lions would host the Western Semi-Final on November the 4th. So right now, the 110th Grey Cup playoff scenarios are looking like this. Saskatchewan win, which would mean Saskatchewan secures third place in the West Division and will travel to BC or Winnipeg for the West Semi-Final on November the 4th. If BC loses, then obviously Winnipeg takes the West Division, and the BC Lions will be hosting at BC Place on November the 4th as well. On the East side, Montreal win or Hamilton loss, Montreal will host the East Semifinal at Percival Molson Stadium in Montreal November 4th. Calgary does have an outside chance right now. If they win this week against Saskatchewan, then they would be able to take the season series against the Riders. So if they were to tie in record, Calgary would take it. The playoff picture right now, Toronto has already clinched the East Division title for a third straight season, and they did it in Week 15. Winnipeg secured a playoff spot for a seventh consecutive year in Week 14, BC clinched a postseason berth for a second straight year in Week 16. Montreal booked their trip to the postseason for a fourth consecutive year in Week 17. Hamilton clinched a playoff berth for a fifth straight season in Week 17. The Edmonton Elks are going to be closing the Upper Bowl in Commonwealth Stadium in 2024. This is move, this move sorry, is aimed at improving the game day experience. CEO Rick Lalasher said in a statement that closing the Upper Bowl is key to enhancing the game day atmosphere and rebuilding our home field advantage by bringing our fans closer to the action. With a capacity of over 31,000 in the lower bowl next season, Commonwealth Stadium will still have one of the largest capacities in the CFL. The Elks are confident that the combination of improved play on the field and a better atmosphere will create one of the most enjoyable game day experiences in the entire CFL. And finally in the news, U-Sport Football has released their Canada Life Rankings. Number one spot still stays with Western, while number two goes to Montreal, number three is Laval, number four Laurier, number five St. FX, number six Saskatchewan, tied for number seven is UBC and Windsor, number nine is University of Alberta, and number ten is Queen's. 
And speaking of U Sport, the top three players of the week last week were Silas Fagnan from St. FX, Josh Connors also from St. FX, and Guillaume Cachon from Laval. Intercepted! With McManus, this could go for a touchdown! And on one play, this game takes a drastic turn. Pick six. Week 18 kicked off on Friday as the Edmonton Elks traveled out to Toronto. And happy birthday to the Argonauts, 150 years. And they did not disappoint. Not only did they have a ton of alumni out there on the field, including one of my personal favorites as a kid, Rocket Ishmael. It was the Toronto Argonauts taking this one 35-12. to And for the Edmonton Elks, Trey Ford went 19 for 31, 220 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. And of course, Trey Ford did as Trey Ford does, seven rushes for 47 yards on the on the ground as well. Gavin Cobb was his big target. Four catches, 79 yards, and a touchdown. And our friend of the show, Manny Arsenault, had four catches for 50 yards. On the other side, Chad Kelly went 11 for 16, 165 yards. A.J. Ouellette had 14 carries for 65 yards as well. And, of course, DeMonte Coxie had four catches for 83 yards. But, of course, we cannot forget the one that we just heard. The big interception, Winton McManus took it back to the house for six points. And it was all Argos for this entire game. Lurus drops back, bets right in his face, and he has a touchdown! Drew Wolitarski at the goal line, and the Bombers are right in this football game. Game two of the Friday night doubleheader saw the Winnipeg Blue Bombers travel at the BC Place to take on the Lions. Game of the year is what they were calling it, and game of the year is what delivered. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers took this one in overtime, 34-26. to now, of course, with that overtime loss for the BC Lions, they could have had the game sealed up. Dominic Rimes had a huge catch over the middle. He should have just gone down and that they could have brought out White to kick the field goal and they would have won it. Unfortunately, Dominic Rimes tried to go all the way into the end zone and it did not work out. For the Bombers, Zach Caleros, 31 for 41, 389 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Brady Oliveira had 12 carries on the ground for 73 yards and a touchdown. Big play, Kenny Lawler, 9 catches, 97 yards. Dalton Schoen, 5 catches for 86 yards. Even Brady Oliveira had 8 more catches for another 85 yards as well. For the BC Lions, Vernon Adams Jr., 19 for 33, 352 yards and a touchdown. Jaquan Mizell was fairly quiet on the ground, 6 carries for only 23 yards. Dominic Rimes, like we just talked about, had 5 catches for 107 yards. And of course, Javon Katoy had another 2 catches for 88 yards and the touchdown in the losing cause. So unfortunately now, Winnipeg is one step closer to taking that Western Division. And BC looks like they'll still be hosting a home game, but not the one that they were hoping for. First and goal on the Ryder 10. Three options to the right. Mitchell, a ton of time to the end zone. Touchdown, Hamilton. Drops it in there for Omar Bayless. His first 
On Saturday, the Hamilton Tiger Cats traveled out to Mosaic to take on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and welcome back Bo Levi Mitchell. The Tiger Cats won this one 38-13, which is also helping the Calgary Stampeders in their bid to make the postseason. For those Tiger Cats, Bo Levi Mitchell didn't play a ton. He only went 4 for 6, 129 yards and a touchdown, while Matthew Schultz did the bulk of the load, 16 for 19, 271 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. James Butler on the ground had 25 carries for 107 yards. It was great to see the run game in action. And of course, Tim White, three catches, 129 yards. James Butler even had five catches for 77 yards as well. For the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Jake Dolagala, 16 for 25. 154 yards. Mason Fine actually popped into this game for a minute. He's going 2 for 4, 25 yards, and throwing an interception. Jamal Morrow, another great running back, hitting the ground. 18 rushes for 120 yards and a touchdown. Samuel Emelis was the big receiver of the day. Four catches for 43 yards. And our friend Sean Bain Jr., four catches for 42 yards in the losing bid. This is going to be a great game this coming weekend in Calgary for Saskatchewan. And it's got major playoff implications written all over it. Second and 10 at the Ottawa 38. Montreal. Blitz coming. Pajardo gets rid of it. Deep. Open. Touchdown. Tyson Philpott. And a quick strike. That's what the Alouettes were looking for. 38 yards. On Thanksgiving Monday, it was the Ottawa Red Blacks traveling out to Molson Stadium to take on the Alouettes. And it was those Alouettes really enjoying Thanksgiving going 29-3. The Ottawa Red Blacks did avoid the shutout just barely. Nick Arbuckle made an appearance in this game, going 9 for 13 for only 90 yards. Dustin Crum went 5 for 13 for only 72 yards. Devontae Williams only had 10 carries on the ground. He didn't really do a whole lot with 45 yards. Slosey Mariner had 4 catches for 46 yards. But on the other side, Cody Fajardo, 28 for 32, 272 yards, a touchdown and an interception. Walter Fletcher came in for the injured standback, and he had 14 carries for 43 yards. Tyson Philpott, 6 catches, 90 yards, a big touchdown. He had a great game, and that led to the Alouette's victory on a very happy Thanksgiving. That is it for the Week 18 highlights. We are going into Week 19, but before that, we are going to be joined in Part 2 of our series... Calgary Stampeders wide receiver Jalen Philpot joins us. We'll be right back. Today we are joined by one of the hottest prospects coming out of the 2022 CFL draft. He is a two-time first-team All-Canadian, a Vanier Cup champion, and a first-round pick going fifth overall to the Calgary Stampeders. Last week we talked to his dad. This week we've got him. Jalen Philpot, welcome. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. So what was it like being the son of a CFL star? Uh, it was pretty cool, you know, uh, lots of hype growing up, you know, uh, as a little kid. Uh, we would always have some of his ex-teammates out at some of the games. So 
not a lot of added pressure, but, you know, you just kind of knew that there was guys that uh, were professional players and they were always at games watching and stuff like that. So you, so you kind of really wanted to do your best and show them uh, that you were pretty good as well. What's your earliest memory of a CFL game or a CFL team even? Uh, so, yeah, I never really got to watch my dad play live. He, his career kind of finished right before uh, I was born. So I never got to watch him live, but he brought me to a bunch of games. But I'd say my biggest memory probably was, uh, uh, I want to say, I think it was 2011, the Grey Cup in BC at BC Place. Uh, he got his tickets. We got to go watch that. It was packed 30,000 people and it was a crazy atmosphere and BC ended up winning and kind of then I was just like, whoa, this is crazy. Like there's a lot of people here and a lot of people that really care about the sport in, in Canada. And it just kind of gave me some extra motivation for sure to uh, chase my dreams and hope that I could one day be playing on that same field. So it, it was really cool. I liked the atmosphere and I enjoyed it for sure. What was it like growing up as a twin? And what were some of the challenges that you faced being the older brother? <laughs> uh, it was really cool having a twin brother, someone who is I looks identically the same as you and someone who you really just share a lot of interests with. And uh, you, I kind of always had someone, someone to do stuff with, and I never kind of felt lonely or anything like that. I always had a twin brother that wanted to do everything I wanted to do. So that maybe a bit was the challenge in itself that sometimes we got sick of each other and uh, it led to some arguments and stuff like that. But I mean, who doesn't argue as brothers, but it, it was super cool. I mean, we were, we were very competitive. We got to compete at everything, not even football. It was just in the classroom who had better grades, uh, playing basketball outside, pickup just didn't even matter, but we were just super competitive, usually led to a fist fight. So uh, it was just super cool, and I think that also helped us get to the way we get to where we are right now. Is just that competitiveness to just keep striving to be better. So, being that like older brother, like I said, it's only it's a couple yeah. minutes, right? Yeah, so it's only seven <laughs> minutes. You know, yeah. if you ask him, he'll he'll tell you that we're I'm not older than him, but seven. I'll I'll hang it over his head a little bit, but yeah, I'm seven minutes older. That's what I was going to ask. Did that ever come yeah. out in your relationship? Like I'm the older brother. <laughs> Yeah, like I tried, I definitely tried to say that and hang it and then people would be like, oh, by how how much? And it's seven minutes and then it's like, you don't really have very much bragging. So <laughs> I definitely tried to use it, that's for sure. He wouldn't, he wouldn't really let me slide with that one though. So when did you fall in love with football? Um, yeah, it honestly wasn't my, I wouldn't say like, I, I liked playing it, but I wouldn't say like, up until grade maybe 10-ish that I was playing multiple sports. I was playing ball hockey pretty uh, competitively. I was traveling around the country playing ball hockey. And uh, I was also branching on playing some other sports, soccer, stuff like that in school. So I was definitely ripping around and playing a lot of sports as a kid. So I never really focused solely on football. And I think that kind of helped preserve that love for it a little bit more just because I got it to about grade 10, grade 11, and I kind of realized that I really liked football. And if I wanted to take it seriously and go to another level, that I would have to kind of focus and hone in on that. So uh, I'd say about that grade 10, grade 11, uh, going into grade 11, I knew my senior year, I knew I would have to take it super serious. And I fell in love with it, just the grind and uh, working really hard and just noticing how much better I was getting on the football field too was awesome. Were you always a receiver? No, so I, I played running back and corner uh, in high school. 
And I was actually recruited out of high school to uh, multiple teams as a running back. And also some teams wanted me to play DB. But uh, it's a funny story, actually, how I became a receiver. Uh, I just didn't practice was just so boring to me as a running back. Like, you know, just getting tagged by linebackers and stuff and D linemen thinking that they tackled you and saying, oh, I got you after a two yard run. That would just get to me. And I'd be watching my brother run uh, 50 yard fades and just bombing guys and scoring touchdowns. And I'm like, that looks like a lot of fun. And they can't say anything when you run right by them and score on them. So honestly, just watching him do that kind of made me want to play receiver. And ever since then, I just decided to be a receiver and just kind of watch him and learn from him. And, And I haven't looked back. Your dad said last week on the podcast that he was really hoping that you were going to go to a university in the States. Was that yeah. ever an option? Yeah, we definitely tried, you know, like as a Canadian, I think everyone's dream is to get out of Canada and go Div 1 and, and play at a big school. And I had high aspirations and hopes to do it for sure. But, you know, they all, it's kind of uh, the irony in it. And when uh, guys are telling, you know, hone in school and work really hard in, in high school and even elementary school just to learn those habits. And I unfortunately messed around in the classroom a little bit and it, it little it hurt me a little bit and I wasn't able to uh, be academic eligible to go down south and play down there. But I think that definitely was a learning experience in its own too. Just, you know, teaching me that if I didn't work hard and do the right stuff that I wouldn't be able to achieve all the dreams that I wanted. So that was a big learning lesson for me. And I, I was happy to be able to go to the University of Calgary and play for three years there and just do what I can to get to me where get me where I was right now where I am right now what were some of your other schools on your short list besides the UFC uh yeah I had I had a bunch of schools reach out to me for sure uh in Canada you can only do five official visits so uh, the schools that I went to were uh, University of Saskatchewan the University of British Columbia I went to uh, Carleton University out in Ottawa, and I also went and did a visit at the University of Regina. So uh, it's pretty stayed pretty local, didn't really branch out too far to the East Coast, uh, just because I liked the style of, of play in the Canada West, and that just really attracted me. And uh, ultimately, I kind of knew, based off my very first visit to the University of Calgary, that that was where I wanted to go, and they kind of set the bar and then just going to the other schools, I just kind of could tell that Calgary was at another level at the time, for sure. So your second year as a Dino was a big year for you. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you had 52 yep. catches, which ranked you second in U Sport, 767 yards and eight touchdowns, which ranked you first. What yep. did that season mean to you heading into the playoffs that you had such an impact on that offense? Yeah, that, that was a big year for me, you know, like, I think uh, if people watch the podcast with my dad, you know, he's kind of said, like, me and my brother feed off of each other, and if one guy, if one does one, uh, something good in one game, the other is definitely going to try and outdo him the other, so it's kind of how we always were, and uh, year one, Tyson had a phenomenal year, I think he went for 800 yards or something, like, he just had, a, he won rookie of the year, he had a, a super good year came in and was able to play in a position where he was able to make plays right away and uh, ultimately help the team. And, you know, I was able to do what I could in my first year and help out where I could and just kind of uh, get into the groove of things. So, yeah, year two was a big stepping stone for me. Uh, I felt comfortable and I was able to move into a, a position in the slot where I just ultimately felt like I could dominate. And, uh, yeah, I had a great year. Uh, Tyson, unfortunately, had an injury. Uh, early in the year so he wasn't able to play so that kind of 
put a little bit more pressure on me and just kind of made me a little bit more motivated to uh, lead the team and just do everything I could out there to help us win. And it had a good year. And yeah, just going into playoffs was super confident. And I just knew what our team could do. Uh, just based on the previous year, we took a loss late in the playoffs where we really thought we were going to go all the way. So that was just extra motivation there too. And in the Vanier Cup game against Montreal, you had a big night as well. How important was it to have such an impact on the game to win it? Yeah, that was something that I just kind of uh, pre-game. I still remember just the thoughts going through my head, just walking out there on the on the field and just thinking about all the all the hard work and dedication I put in all year. And we were finally in that big game that we really wanted to be in, and we knew we we should be in. Uh, so just remember just thinking to myself just you know no pressure have fun do the same stuff that I do every game and when I go out there it's not a lot of thoughts it's kind of just let my body just do what I can and it's just it feels just almost like it's natural and just the stuff I do I have no control over it just happens so it's it's fun when you're playing like that and just uh, no, not thinking just playing fast the following year obviously it was a canceled season did that slow you down or did that motivate you more to once you can get back on the field again yeah no that was I honestly uh think take that as a blessing in disguise uh you know for the body your body takes a bit a lot of beating through the year so having that year off to just train and just get stronger and stay off the body a little bit and and just continue to work hard you know Tyson and I probably that was our uh, biggest off season where we were just two a days every day on the field in the weight room just just getting better and owning our skills and uh, I definitely think coming into that senior year we were feeling like we were had a lot better players than we were the, the year before you had a really successful college career did you feel confident going into the draft yeah I, I definitely felt confident I definitely felt like I left everything out there uh of course, I would I would love to have the same length of career as most guys and kind of chase some records in college and stuff like that because I definitely feel like those were some things that I could have achieved. But I, I felt very confident that I was able to move to the next level, uh, hearing my coach Jabari Arthur, who was played at the next level, just uh, reaffirm that, that confirmation that we were ready for the next level and that we were ready to go. So that was just awesome. And yeah, I was ready for a new task to kind of go and challenge me and, and to go and accomplish that. Speaking of uh, new tasks, new obstacles, I guess, how yeah. tough was that combine? It, it was tough, you know, a lot of pressure. Uh, you hear a lot of the outside. You try not to listen to it, but you hear a lot of the outside noise, you know, a lot of eyes on you. Me and my brother just being twins, that automatically just brings a lot of eyes in general. And we were pretty high-ranked uh, recruits going into it, so there was – a little bit of pressure you know that was probably one of the most times in my career where I felt the pressure and I felt the need to to kind of go and perform and uh, you know I did what I can I've never felt as uh, like I was a combine type guy I've always felt like I was I'm better at the game of football and understanding coverages and why guys play certain ways so uh, the combine is just a part of the process and I just went out there and did what I could for sure. Do you agree that you know, the 40 is good to track for numbers, but it's all about the game speed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, like, I think if, you, if you're if you a fast guy who can run the 40, that's just an advantage in itself, for sure. Like, the 40, when we train for it, it, it is an event, so you got to train for it. So some guys aren't specifically good at certain events, but 
I think it definitely can help you for sure. The game is fast nowadays and it's getting faster. So that can just help you out. But I don't think that the 40 ultimately decides whether you're a good football player or not, though, for sure. So come draft night, fifth overall to the Calgary Stampeders, were you excited to be staying at McMahon? Yeah, that was definitely something that I thought about. You know, Calgary was a team that I really wanted to go to, and I felt comfortable that I'd be able to come in right away and just help them out. So, and having talks with uh, Coach Dickinson, you know, that just really kind of just made me feel comfortable that Calgary was a team that I wanted to play for. And I was just super excited to be able to stay home and, uh, and play for such a great organization. How did you find out that Calgary drafted you? Uh, so I was watching on the TV, just like everyone, you know, we had the cameras and stuff like that, but I came up on the TV and I probably two minutes after I got the phone call from coach Marquay McDaniels, who was the receivers coach at the time. So, uh, he gave me a call and just let me know that they were deciding to go with me and, uh, they were excited to have me and they were ready to get to work. And that's kind of how I felt too. I was Excited to be able to stay home, but uh, instantly after that, the thoughts are, okay, what's next? Let's get ready to play. You went to Calgary while Tyson went to Montreal as a member of the Alouettes. How has the distance affected your relationship? Um, I honestly think it's kind of been, it's been good for us. Uh, like I said kind of before, we sometimes are always around each other and we all have the same friend group and we do a lot of the same things, so we're constantly kind of in each other's space. So I think it was cool. It's cool for us to be able to kind of now uh, carve our own kind of paths. And, uh, you know, he's in, he's far away in Montreal. So he has lots of new friends and new people that he's meeting and kind of creating a name for himself. And I have expanded on my uh, just people and growth and network that I've met in Calgary. So it's been super cool. Just kind of network yourself as an individual, not as twins and, uh, as your own self and it's kind of cool just to kind of meet different people and have different sorts of friends and stuff like that I definitely think that's helped our relationship grow yeah last year when you got to Calgary to camp you and I talked about that and I asked you are you sad that you guys didn't go to the same team and you had said no because yeah. you would have to battle for not only <laughs> position with the ratio but you'd also yeah. have to battle for the ball too right yeah exactly we're, we're we're pretty similar players we have some different nuances for sure but uh, we both are yak guys and love to get the ball in our hands and play. And of course, with the ratio, it kind of limits sometimes some Canadian players on the field. So yeah, that definitely was part of it. And that definitely was a question we got in the combine very a lot was, is this going to affect you guys? But we knew we were both ready to make our own pass and go on our separate ways. So Last year in camp, you had a bit of an injury. What happened that kept you out? Yeah, no. So I was dealing with a little bit of a hamstring injury uh, coming into camp. Uh, as a receiver, it's pretty common, you know, we're, we run a lot. So uh, hammies are typically the first things to go. So yeah, just dealing with a little bit of a hammy issue and was able to get that fixed and was able to come back in the season, which was awesome. How hard was it to sit out your first ever pro training camp and just watch? Yeah, that was definitely one of the hardest things. I think, you know, there's always the thought in your head, like, oh, I'm going to lose my position or oh no, I might get cut. I came in and I was, and I was injured. And those thoughts definitely crossed my mind. And I might obviously reached out to my father and had him reassure me that everything was okay and that I wasn't going anywhere. And they've invested a lot in me. So just get, get healthy and uh, be able to come out and show them what I can really do and why I was a first round draft pick. So uh, I definitely think everything happens for a reason. And it was just some extra motivation to just come out and 
and to do what I what I do. So, and in August on the thirteenth, you definitely did that. So against the BC Lions, I guess your hometown, right? You scored yeah. your first ever CFL touchdown, which I was at, by the way, on yeah. a pass from future Hall of Famer Bo Levi Mitchell. How yeah. special was that first pro TD? Yeah, that that one is extra special. I mean, there's there's a little bit of a funny backstory behind that. I ended up I I was running on a kick return and I fell. Uh, wide open uh, a couple plays prior to that so that technically could have been my first uh, pro TD but I'm kind of glad that I fell down you know I can say that and people might think that's funny but because being able to catch that ball from Bo that was my only touchdown that I was able to catch from Bo so I think that was really cool to be able to have that and I'll always think about that when I go back and look at that football and know that I was able to catch it from a hall of famer and a guy like like Bo is, is really cool. The season last year didn't end, obviously, how everyone had hoped. Uh, what did you learn from your first rookie season in the CFL? Uh, I learned a lot, for sure. You know, the speed is a lot faster. The guys are a lot bigger. Uh, people move around and with intention. And and it, it was really cool to just kind of get that season under my belt and just get the comfortability and start feeling more of myself. Uh, but I, I enjoyed it. Just meeting a lot of the guys and seeing how a pro team works and the pro aspect of things was super cool. And it's it's all just a learning experience. And uh, it was really cool. And I'm, I feel definitely humble to be able to be in the position that I am. So this offseason was a little bit difficult for you as well with another injury, unfortunately. What happened? Yeah, uh, another hamstring injury, unfortunately, in the offseason, just uh, running routes and planted funny and it and it didn't really go well with me go well for me so I hurt my hamstring and I had to get some surgery done to get that fixed uh it was a very unfortunate event but uh the nice thing I can say is I'm definitely recovering and feeling a lot better so your dad had mentioned that he thought that maybe it was a case of doing a little bit too much and just trying to put too much on yourself on the off season yeah. do you think that was true uh, I mean, you always want to try and figure out why things happen. You know, it's it's so unfortunate and you can't control anything. So that's one of the hardest thing. And when you suffer a major injury like that, that's the first thing you think about. Like, why did this happen? What did I do? Like, what did I do wrong? I've been playing football my whole career. Nothing's happened like that. What happened? But, you know, sometimes you just can't control it. And it's just, it just happens. And it's another learning experience for me, for sure. And I definitely don't take anything for granted anymore and I'm and I'm working really hard to get back to where I was and I definitely think I will be back and even better than how I was before so there's no worries about that and yeah just like just a learning experience but you, you got to learn and sometimes those are hard but I'll be back so the injuries have been piling up for the entire team this year let's yeah. be honest right how tough has it been to watch the team struggling on and off the field with the injuries, which obviously is causing some of the play issues as well. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's been a, a little bit of a tough year for sure. You know, I mean, starting off with my injury, that was tough. But uh, just, you know, not being able to help the guys out there is also another one of the things, you know, you kind of sit from the sideline and wonder if you were out there, if you could be helping. But uh, like you said, with the injuries, you know, you can't really avoid that. So once those start to pile up, it's tough to build the chemistry and have the same players out there playing. So that, that definitely affects a team and we've been snake bitten by those. So we've been just trying to do our best and work through those. It's, it's kind of something that happens in our game and, and it's just something you got to deal with. So 
uh, yeah, it's, it's been tough, but, you know, a lot of the games we feel like we're in them, we're one or two points uh, away from winning and uh, one, or just a big play away from changing the game and winning a game. So uh, that's kind of been one of the tougher things, too, just to know that you've been in every game and we just couldn't get the win. So, uh, but I think I think we're still in it and I still definitely think the guys are motivated to go out there and make a little playoff push. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, this week is a big one, actually, because if the Stamps win the game this week, they take the season series against Saskatchewan, and that just boosts the odds. Um, what are you excited to see this weekend in the game? Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see the guys get gritty and kind of uh, bustle or just kind of, you know, harden in and get ready to go. Like, uh, it, it's going around our locker room. All the guys know, like, this is do or die for us. So we're at home. We're playing Saskatchewan, who's a team we know we can beat. We've beat them before. Uh, so it's just we got to get gritty and we got to really just kind of lock in and uh, know our assignments and just just try and make the fewest mistakes. That's kind of what's been something that's been our issue right now is we're just we made a couple of mistakes and we can't uh, get past those. So uh, I think we'll be ready to go and, and the boys are ready to go. So I'm excited. Is there any chance that we see you on the field at all for a couple of reps uh, in the remaining games? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't completely rule it out, but unfortunately it's just something that I got to play with the body and see how the body feels. So uh, there's no rush and I don't feel any pressure from the team to be back too soon. And, you know, they, they want to see me out there at a hundred percent, not at 80%. So uh, that's kind of where I am right now. Just letting the body kind of tell me, uh, when I can be back and when I can start doing some things. So, yeah. Also, I mean, you're also rehabbing with your roommate, right? Malik Henry. How has that been yeah. going with the you, the two of you kind of working together? Yeah, it's it's been really cool. I mean, unfortunately, we we both suffered season-ending injuries, uh, so it's just been something that we've both had to kind of deal with. It's new to both of us. You know, he's never had anything that serious before, too. So. Uh, it's, it was a learning curve for both of us. And it was, it was just nice to have someone, you know, that was going through the same thing. So you needed someone to talk to or <clears throat> just talk and just go through things. Cause it's definitely, I mean, when you get injured, you just want to kind of just vent and just let it all out. So it's been nice to have someone like that. And he knows he can do that to me whenever he needs to. So yeah, it's been good. We've kind of just fed off each other and we're both ready to make big comeback years. That's for sure. So there's some motivation for us. So. Well, last year, Tyson had that setback early in the year. He came roaring back, and he was the East Division nominee for Most Outstanding Rookie. And like we've talked about, there's a lot of competition between the two of you. What are we going to see from Jalen in 2024? Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely excited to show a new me. You know, I'm going to be healthy, which is going to be a bonus. And I just kind of take this offseason to be fresh and to get back out there and get back to doing the things I'm, I'm, I'm always do. So... Uh, yeah, I think you'll see a, a bigger, stronger, faster version of, of myself and yeah, an extra hungry and motivated guy. You know, I might be blocking a little harder than I usually do just because I'm not taking anything for granted. And I just really want to be out there and help my team win. So uh, you'll definitely see me extra motivated and I'm looking forward to a big, big next year. So uh, I'll be excited. Stay tuned. Last year, you had Mark Way McDaniel, which was great. This year, you didn't really get a chance to play with, but you got Nick Lewis. You have a yep. Hall of Famer as your receiver coach. What yep. has he been talking to you about during this time? Because, I mean, remember, he went through it. He broke his leg, 
right? Yeah. So he's yeah. been no, there. Yeah. yeah, Nick's Nick's been awesome, you know, like to have another guy like Marquay uh that's understood the game and played in the game and is probably a Hall of Famer, if not so if he are isn't already. So uh yeah, it's been super cool to just listen to him and and like he always says to me, is just slow, take it slow, uh, come back when you can, and and we want to see you healthy at a hundred percent. So uh, he's been awesome. He feeds us lots lots of knowledge, and uh, a guy like that, I remember watching him as a kid growing up, and just watching all the plays that he made on the field, and and thinking how how is this guy is making a lot of plays and and doing his thing. So it's something that I strive to do when I get out there. So. I can't wait to be back in the offense with him and just have him uh, teaching me and just kind of being a mentor and just learning from him. So uh, I'm super excited to kind of be more involved next year. Jalen, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast tonight. I, you know, I heard a lot about you. I mean, I know you, right. But you know, your dad talked really highly about you guys. And I was like, you know what? I want to get you guys both on. So Tyson's coming on next week, but I really appreciate you coming on as well. You know, no, just perfect. telling your story and how you're doing. <laughs> and I can't wait to see you back on the field. No, thank you so much. I really appreciate being on. Thank you for having me on. That was our conversation with Jalen Philpott, star wide receiver for the Calgary Stampeders. Going through some unfortunate injury issues this year, but we know he's going to come back bigger, stronger, and better than ever next year. Can't wait to see him. Always great catching up with Jalen. And now it's time for week 19. Again, really sad that we're almost at the end of the regular season, but it kicks off on Friday the 13th. The BC Lions travel out to Hamilton to take on the Tiger Cats. I'm calling the BC Lions to take this one, although I think it's going to be a much closer game than a lot of people think. Game 2 of the Friday night doubleheader is going to see the Saskatchewan Rough Riders take on the Calgary Stampeders. I think this is actually going to be the game of the week right here. It is going to be gritty, tough, exciting. I think that Calgary has enough to take it. I also think Saskatchewan is in do or die mode, just like Calgary right now. I actually can't really call this one. It can go 50-50 either way. On Saturday, the Montreal Alouettes travel out to Edmonton, so Tyson Philpott, to take on the Elks. And I am saying the Montreal Alouettes, they're going to be tuning up and getting ready for that big playoff push. And it's going to be all Alouettes. And then the final game of Week 19 on Saturday evening is going to have the Ottawa Red Blacks, who are struggling and mathematically eliminated, to Toronto. And they're going to be taking on the Argos. And I don't know how many of the starters the Argos are going to be playing in this game. But it's still going to be the Argos. You know, you don't bet against the Argos and you definitely don't bet against the Argos at home. That is it for us this week. We will be back again next week with part three of our series. Tyson Philpott joins us and we're going to have another great chat with him learning about his story and his side of being the twin brother, the younger twin brother, and seeing how he has been just absolutely excelling in Montreal. Remember, you can follow us on Instagram and X at Around the CFL Podcast. And you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. And if you're enjoying the show, please go ahead and leave us a five-star review. That is it for us this week, and we'll see you later.